Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today, I'm joined by James Dama, and today is the day after Tesla AI Day, a day um, for history in the making, for sure. And I wanted to connect with James just to do kind of like a first reaction debrief from this historic event. Uh, James, welcome back to the channel. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah. So what's going on? I heard you, um, you tweeted that you... Um, weren't able to sleep most of the night or what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I'm still in Texas time because I just drove back. So I went to bed kind of early and then I woke up at 2 a.m. and I started thinking about this stuff. And that was just like it. I could not get back to sleep. So like at like 6 a.m. I gave up and I just started reviewing the video and taking notes. And that's what I've been doing all day so far. Got so, it. yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, so yeah. it's. Yeah, I don't even know where to start with it. Um, let, let's take a step back. Um, just mm -hmm. overall kind of reaction or, you know, feeling. What, what about Tesla AI Day excited you? Um, was it was it exciting? Like, let, let me know. Let us know. Spill the beans. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It was really exciting. It was really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it, uh, so my, uh, I'm, I'm stunned by the ambition of the thing. So you mentioned, I think you, you had tweeted out maybe while it was going on that, you know, we talked about the humanoid robot thing. And in fact, I think we talked about it on our first chat, like last yeah. year. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and when you asked me about it, like we talked about it and I thought, yeah, you know, if anybody was going to do it, Tesla was going to do it. And like, I think this is the right way to go about doing it. And I was really inspired by it the approach that they were taking and, and that kind of stuff. But I also said, it's too much. It's too much, you know? And then like, that was really bugging me last night when I woke up, it's like, why was I, why was I wrong about this? Like, why am I surprised so much that they're doing this? Because I was thinking back about like the first FSD, the, the first autonomy day, you know, I was patting myself on the back because I guessed so many of the chip things right and whatnot. But then, you know, I realized, no, you know, actually, I expected them to do an accelerator, and they did a sock, right? And, uh, you know, I didn't expect, I mean, they went so big on the, on the robo-taxi thing. I mean, it was super, super ambitious. And then I'm thinking, God, this is a guy, he's like trying to go to Mars, right? He's not just trying to get a rocket in orbit. He's like, no, no, we're going to Mars. And then the battery day thing, then I, I remembered battery day, right? And battery day, I expected him to come out and say, 300 gigawatt hours like that's our goal and it was three terawatt hours you know? so 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 there's a part of me which is which is like well of course you're doing even right? because but it's like because it's there or something i don't know it's just i've been using this analogy today with uh with, uh, you know, self-driving self cars are like going to the moon and humanoid robots are like mars like they're I don't know if it, how well appreciated it is, but it's really much, much harder to do a humanoid robot than it is to do a self-driving car. Like the self-driving car problem is so constrained compared to a humanoid robot. Uh, and yet, I, I do believe that continuing to scale in the way that they do, not just, it's not a matter of just like having a bigger neural network, right? It, it's it's definitely going to take a lot more than that, but it's really clear from looking at what you know Andre and Milan Ashok were talking about yesterday that that they're not just making a bigger neural network. They're not just praying that you know that if they just keep doing what they're doing, it's going to get better. They're thinking about it. They're changing what they're doing. They're reacting. And you know, Andre spent a bunch of time talking about like all the different approaches they'd used on the planner and looking at the 
the network architect, they went, I was super happy about all the detail he went into in the neural and the network architecture. And, uh, and it's a different network architecture, you know, like every time he talks about it, it's different and they've added significant new things. It's gotten a lot more complicated and they're doing a lot of really cool stuff. And whereas in the past, like uh, when I first started looking at the autopilot networks, I was shocked at how sort of mundane they were. That is, they were, they had pretty much, I mean, the first ones I saw, they were pretty much pulled straight out of academic research, right? They just copied them in there and they were pumping data in. And I was like, okay, you know, if it works, maybe, maybe that's the approach, right? Is that, is that we're going to go with stuff that we know works as opposed to like doing research, but it's really clear also from the stuff that they're talking about. I mean, you can look at the slides and you can see like where they're building on what other people have done. They cite the other research, but so many of the slides didn't have any citations. This is original Tesla work. I mean, they're, they're, they're breaking new, new ground on this. And, yeah. and a lot of the stuff they're doing is really interesting ideas. So that's, and that's just the networks, right? That's not talking about, I mean, the simulation stuff was cool. The planning stuff, they're doing so much more on planning and it's so much more sophisticated. I mean, they got they're they're using a Monte Carlo tree search with a neural network to generate the weights and paths. It's Mu zero, right? What George Hotz wanted, right? And it's really clear that the end goal is end to end, right? Yeah. At the end of all this stuff too. I mean, what, which I think it was probably pretty clear if you combined statements Andre had made in the past that they were going to end up end to end. But now he's saying, yeah, you know that that's the end game. That's where we're going to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and that that once again, that's really ambitious doing end to end on a really complicated problem for millions of cars out in the world. Like that's that's a very non it's a very non trivial thing. Right? And then, you know, we the snapshot that we talked about, you know, the teaser shot from AI day, we basically, you know, we basically knew that was going to be a multi chip module for Dojo. Right. I mean, that was the only reasonable interpretation of that stack up. But. But uh, they're not taking a tried and true uh, design and just saying, yeah, let's tighten the coupling, make the chip bigger, overclock it, get the heat out really fast. I mean, they're not doing straightforward things. They're not doing the straightforward, simple thing, which has a really high probability of success. And that's it, it, like low risk. They're, they're like, they're going for like, you know, what's the right solution? What's the best thing we could possibly have? Let's build that, <laughs> right? Because that MCM and that the architecture they're doing with that 2D compute plane with the insane bandwidth at the edges of all those die and whatnot, it's just nuts, right? <laughs> and that, that multi-chip module, it's, it's like, I mean, I've heard people talking about TSMC had some, you know, interposer technology and whatnot that is kind of along this line, but nobody's actually using it as kind of a research project. And here's Tesla, you know, on their own out there building, uh, building, you know, this nutty, uh, <laughs> 18,000 amps. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, it's like your car takes 400 amps max when it's running flat out, right? These, that multi-chip model has got 18,000 amps going. Now it's only at 0.6 volts, you know, it's 15 kilowatts or 0.8 volts or something like that. But 18,000 amps, like, oh my God. <laughs> like, that's just nuts. And this is one module, right? They're going to yeah. put six of them in a cabinet and then they're going to, you know, it's just, 
It's just nuts. Yeah. Like it, yeah. they, I said, the ambition is breathtaking. And I, yeah. and I think that's the right word to do it. It's, it's, uh, man, it's really something yeah, yeah. <laughs> just I really mean, wound up about it. Um, yeah. I mean, so like my kind of reaction was, I'm like, they're, they're showing more of their cards, like what they're working on more in depth, you know, with not just with vision, yeah. but with planning, with hardware. Yeah. And then, um, and then they brought it all together at the end with the humanoid robot, right? Basically saying, yeah. we're going to port this FSD computer and our whole stack of, you know, neural net, like training, you know, yeah. and planning everything into this humanoid form, um, which to me, like, it's a, it's a complete game changer because like it, when you look back at it, it's like, it's obvious. Yeah. You just kind of port everything over you know, into this other form in a sense. And it's going to take a while, obviously, for, for them to get something to work. And so I think the first step is a prototype. But then after that, they need to figure out how to get a useful product out to the market, you know, and at a re reasonable cost. So this is going to be a while. I don't think we're going to be able to buy a Tesla bot in the next, you know, maybe maybe at least two years, I'm guessing, right? One year to prototype, one year to, you know, Maybe um, iterate uh, off of that. Man, I think if they wanted to push, they want to push anything out into the market in the next few years. Yeah, they're going to have to super, super constrain the application space yeah. to do that. And and they want to go general. So, yeah, like I said, it's not, uh, you know, however much training material you need. Also, there are problems that the robot has. There are control issues that you have to deal with with a robot, like, you know, picking up an object in the real world involves a lot of steps just for a robot to like be able to pick up a hammer or be able to, you know, act, nail a nail with that. There's a ton of feedback stuff and a whole lot of novel problems that you have to solve that they're not a subset. They're no component of the self-driving car thing It's a completely different space of robotics problems that they have to go after. So it's not just like take yeah. FSD and take the FSD chip and put it in the robot and then collect robot data and train it on that. There's going to be a lot more. Sure. And you can, we can see that they're not just building a big neural network, right? They're playing around quite a bit with the architecture and they're trying different kinds of things. And a lot of the things that they're doing, like in the planner, they're clearly tailoring them to the task. You know, they're not brute forcing. I mean, they're, they're doing some amount of brute force. I mean, they're building that big-ass computer, right? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of brute force going on there. But uh, but it's not just brute force. Yeah. They're clearly, you know, exploring the problem domain and trying to see how little they can get away with and yeah. seeing out, seeing what works and yeah. building on the stuff that works. And, and you know, with the robot, it's going to be that times 100 yeah, yeah. or something Definitely. because there's... It seems to me the the angle for so I, I get a lot of re, uh, replies from people on Twitter saying like oh what does Tesla have against Boston Dynamics right everyone against. is 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 impressed by the whole dancing robot thing right and I'm thinking <laughs> like for me it's it's two things one is like Boston Dynamics like first they haven't really come up with uh, a useful mass market product, you know, because it's so expensive. Their dog, I think is what, $75,000. Like, and what does it really mm. do, you know? And then their robots that they're dancing, these things are probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like, 
they really haven't found, you know, a killer use case for it. I think what Tesla's angle is, is Elon is like completely, I think, redefining a robot. And he's like, it's got to be useful. You know, that's the key. And I think it's going to be affordable too. It's going to be affordable and useful. It won't be like the Boston Dynamics, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like jumping up in the air and doing these crazy stuff. Um, it's going to be focused on like some killer, like real life use cases, you know, and that people are really going to find useful and it's going to be super like affordable. Like I mentioned, uh, I remember last year you were saying like $10,000 humanoid robot, you know, and um, it's like Boston Dynamics doesn't have that like ambition, you know, to really have, I think in the near term, you know, a mass market like, you know, humanoid robot for 10 or $20,000. Um, I don't, I don't even know if there's any company that is even remotely like has any possibility, you know, to do a 10 or $20,000 humanoid you, robot. You have to really years. go to scale yeah. to get the cost down, right? It's not going to be a, we're going to sell a few thousand robots. Yeah, it's exactly. going to, you know, it's like the scale is millions. Yeah. And, you know, design for manufacturing, build a factory, you know, optimize <laughs> the factory for doing that kind of stuff. Exactly. When I was doing, you know, that paper study that I mentioned in that call where I came up with a $10,000 figure, yeah. I mean, I picked $10,000 because that's that's the scale that it takes to really change the conversation about this. And so my question was like, you know, are there physical like, is there anything about matter, material science or the energetic energy density torque that you can get from electric motors? What, you know, are there physical or engineering reasons why you can't build a $10,000 robot? And I couldn't find it. You know, it's as far as I can tell, the silicon tech we've got, the battery tech that we've got, the material tech we've got. Nobody makes the motors right now. I looked around for a while to find actuators that were really appropriate to the thing. But, you know if anybody can make those actuators is Tesla, right? I mean, they've, they've, I can't think of anybody who is better, who's better placed to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, they got material science people. They can, they can do the, all of the hard work necessary to solve the engineering challenges associated with making. I mean, and, you know, I wouldn't expect the first one to come out cheap. You know, yeah. the Roadster wasn't cheap. The, the Model S wasn't cheap, right? You start, you, you have some place to start, but, but yeah, you know, ten thousand dollar humanoid robot that's yeah. you know useful in the real world. Five fingers, a real exactly. hand. <laughs> like the way the way I look at it is, um, their first iterations and the first mm. you know, for the next several years, they were, we're not talking about like a million dollar humanoid robot. You know, that's like going to have like all these joints and like talk and like you know like a human. This is not the 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 path that Tesla's choosing. They're going to do something that's going to be, you know, pretty. I think like minimal in the sense where you know one of their diagrams i think it was like 40 actuators right so they've already mm -hmm. have a prototype type of drawings on this they know exactly you know mm -hmm. where to put all this stuff so and it seems to me like you know they're big one of the biggest differentiators between all these other robot companies especially like boston dynamics is fundamentally you know they're looking at the robot problem as being mostly a brain problem like a like a, um, a thinking problem, meaning um, it's not so much the 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 movement and the actuators and the and the body, the hardware, which is you know going to be a challenge. But to get like a, a really useful robot, it's probably ninety percent or more 
going to be on the brains, you know, like how smart the robot is. It's a software problem. Yeah, it's a software yeah. problem. It's, I mean, you know, it's not that the, that the hardware is easy, exactly. but I would say that the hardware is straightforward. Yeah, you exactly. Know, it's it's the software that we don't have the existence proof for that's going to okay. take real creativity. And yeah. it's you know it's worth keeping in mind that one of the reasons robots are really expensive today is because you, because you make the hardware more complicated in an effort to lower the bar on the software because that's a trade off that makes economic sense in the short run. Like the software problem is hard enough that if you that if you make the hardware more expensive and make the software easier, then that's a good, and you know, and mm. you can make the parallel with Waymo, right? Or yeah. Cruise or whatnot. I mean, they're making their car more expensive in an effort to make the software problem easier so that they can accomplish it sooner. And they believe that the, the value of the product is high enough that it justifies the cost. It's still economically viable, even with the expensive yeah. hardware. And you could see, you know, Boston Dynamics being in a similar kind of vein right now, right? That, you know, they don't want to wait 20 years to sell a million robots and then have no in income before then. They're starting with some higher priced uh, thing uh, in an effort to make the software problem easier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, for Boston Dynamics to solve like the, the AI problem, it's extremely mm -hmm. difficult because like where where do they get like all of the data, the architecture, the structure, the training, the compute, everything to process massive amounts of data to understand the real world and learn to navigate that with just, you know, a fleet of like, I don't know, 10 expensive robots. You can't do it. You know, it's like, um, I don't see how they stand a chance, at least on their own, you know, in terms of solving the AI problem. And that's where Tesla's approach is different. They're like, fundamentally, if you're going to create a generalized smart robot, it's like you need the brain, you know, like that is the key part. And it's like what most people don't realize is Tesla's been working on this, like heads down for years, you know, and all of this stuff, or at least most of a lot of this stuff is going to be able, like they have a huge head start with their, with their uh, Tesla bot. Um, yeah. And one other thing is, um, um, I've been watching these uh, videos. Have you seen these videos, uh, robo soccer um, competition videos at all on YouTube? I haven't. You've, you've got to check these out. Yeah, 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 you've got to check. You, like, it's so awesome because, mm -hmm. so the vision is, right, they want to, like, eventually have these robots beat human professional soccer players, like a, a, a professional soccer team at a soccer match by mid-century, so by 2050, mm -hmm. right? That's the goal. But right now they have all these, like, colleges and labs who, who pit robot soccer uh soccer robot players together and some of these are, are small some of these are like half human size and it's the most it's like so fascinating because like these robots are walking and they're trying to kick the soccer ball and it's so hilarious because like it's it's like clearly a brain problem because the robots actually like can kick they can walk they fall down they can get up it's autonomous so you can't control there's no remote control on on this game um but it's like when you watch it it's like it's like oh my gosh it's at least 95 percent or more it's 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 fundamentally a vision yeah, and planning like, it's yeah. all it's control yes yeah, it's, it's like figuring out and how to navigate i mean soccer is interesting it, it includes a couple of different things so one it's a toy problem right it's highly constrained um the uh, the other thing is it's kind of it's not entirely scale invariant but kind of scale invariant right like you can start with really small robots 
and get the you know cheap things. That, um, you can uh, you, you know your robots they're all, they're in a, an, in an arena with a, there's no safety issues right? It's robots versus robots or whatnot. And in the beginning, it's little toy robots you yeah. know, so they don't there's nothing even to really get damaged on that kind of stuff. And and, uh, and it's an incremental difficulty thing right? Then you don't start out playing against humans. It's a dumb robot playing against another dumb robot right? So yeah. the challenge naturally escalates as the robot gets better. So it's kind of like a physical version of, of the AlphaGo thing, right? Yeah. You know, when it it starts out playing against itself and it's a bad opponent, <laughs> you know, but as it gets better, it yeah. itself becomes a better opponent. And then so you get a natural kind of scaling to it and whatnot. There, there are a lot of really great things about it. Yeah. And people get excited about it. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, it's something that even like you were saying, well, it's so obviously a software problem. Like you don't have to know very much about that problem to look at it and get that it's a software problem. Um, whereas, you know, it's easy to kid yourself that there are other fixes in, in other domains, like even a lay person can do it. And one of the things about humanoid robots for anything you do with humanoid robots to, I mean, humans, we understand humans. We know we're all, we're all embodied human beings. We're about this size and whatnot. So we have a pretty good sense of the, of the actual difficulty of everything that a robot does. Like you can relate to what, to what's going on with it. Right. So I think it's very, um, it has all these, you know, great aspects of it for yeah. a demonstration problem for students, for enthusiasts. Exactly. Um, and yeah, you can see them making real progress on it over yeah. time. I don't know if, if working on that problem itself is really going to drive. Yeah. It might. Exactly. It's, it's possible. Well, the, the whole idea, the whole thing I was like getting, like watching this a few months ago, I was like, oh my, I was like, wow, it's like Tesla is already like so far ahead in the robotics field even without even making like a so-called you know robot like other people because of I it if i would go so far as to say that they're really far ahead they, well, you know most of the well, complexity in fsd has really cranked up in the last two years so in theory you know if you had a great team and but you, you know need the you data, have the right resources and whatnot you do need the data I mean, and how do you get the data but of course yeah but tesla doesn't start out with a million robots either right they need some kind of of simple application to get if they're going to do the same thing with robots that they do with cars yeah but they're starting out much better financed the thing is you get that everything that the cars have given right fsd mm -hmm. in terms of data and training all this stuff like that's that's like the starting place you know for you know the robot development and that puts tesla so far ahead of any other robot lab in the world because they've got the brains the brains are so far ahead it's like they're leveraged all of their data and expertise with fsd vehicles and it's it was already there it was like obvious that this they, all of they this, have a huge amount of infrastructure exactly it's true and all and of they this, know how to use it. They've been thinking about this problem. Exactly. A lot of the vision and perception and planning, they will have sorted out by, yeah. you know, I mean, they still have, you know, locomotion to deal with and they still have, uh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 for the world, for robot or for cars, the world is kind of 2D and for robots, it's definitely 3D, right? So there's a more complicated sort of yeah. dynamic. The robot bodies are flexible. They can do many, they can do multiple different kinds of poses. Um, I mean, it, it's not, it's not trivial yeah. and it's not straightforward. 
but they they do start with some very significant advantages in this space, especially if like if the solution is similar to the FSD solution, especially right. Like you will see roboticists say at, as they do with respect to the cars that or believe I don't know if say they they wouldn't put it in these terms, but that. I'll call it, you know, pre-deep learning robotics. Let's call it classical robotics. That that has a really important role to play. That that those that that engineering discipline learned a lot about robotics. And if you, you know, if you're not building on top of that, which, you know, you could kind of argue that Tesla doesn't to a great extent build on top of that kind of stuff. Which is, I think, that's the source of a lot of the skepticism about Tesla's efforts in that space. And you'll see them, I suspect, do the same thing in robotics. Right, that there will be uh, a, a general consensus among experts, as there is with FSD, that oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> they're not doing what all the smart guys in academia who started 50 years ago are doing. Right, so clearly they're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine like the confusion. I mean, yeah, definitely there'll be like a lot of confusion with uh, experts in the robotics field because Tesla's coming from nowhere, you know, and. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's so fascinating. It's a, like Boeing laughing at SpaceX, exactly. you know, 10 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to land that thing on a barge. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, seriously, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I mean, for me, it was before the event, it was <clears> obvious Tesla's, you know, moving into robots uh, beyond the fleet. But my whole question mark was like, you know, for them to get a, a humanoid robot that's actually useful and that people can actually buy i'm like it's that's not ready right now to, to reveal you know and so that was my whole thing i'm like what can they reveal right now that people can buy and so i thought or i thought maybe it would just be a demo but i'm like if they show a humanoid then it seems like it's such a far off thing like i thought it would be mm-hmm. like you know uh at least a few years several years before you know they come with something substantial but then i think what kind of hit me was i'm like whoa kind of like your impression i'm like no they're they're kind of almost borrowing on a word from elon pathologically like focused on moving so fast and as ambitiously as possible and so they could have they could just wait on the whole humanoid stuff and you know just focus on driving but it's like this unreal type of like ambition and urgency. And it kind of reminds me of the everyday astronaut uh, interviews. I don't know if you saw the, the, the part, the three parts, but yeah. Elon is just so just like, I don't know if it's the word is anxious, but he's so like, let's say one day, one week, you know, like clock is ticking. Yeah, clock exactly. Ticking, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, where is that coming from? You know, it's like so crazy. And, we're, um, we're all going to die. He's going to die. <laughs> exactly. And the planet could die. Right. Civilization could die. Yeah. Right. There's a lot riding on this. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, that kind of surprised me. I'm like humanoid, like right now announcing it and just saying we're going for it. It's it's unreal in in like how much urgency and kind it's, of it's very Elon. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of spectacularly. So and it's it. Humanoid robots, I don't know, there's so many robots out there. Mm-hmm. You know, factory robots are pretty, you know, they're not exactly, you know, it's an arm. It can lift a car, that's great, you know, but it, yeah. it's pretty, you know, it looks like a backhoe or something like that, you know, things that we see all over the place. So those Kiva robots that Amazon has for organizing warehouses, they're super, 
they're super, you know, capable and they're really good for that job, but it's a big Roomba, you know, it's hard to get excited about it. Um, a humanoid robot, like the, the possibilities just boggle the mind, you know, yeah. it's, it's easy. The in- engineers are going to get inspired about it yeah. for, and you can write all of these really interesting, I don't know, business case, you can write all these really interesting scenarios about the possibilities of this kind of stuff, because people know what people can do, right? Uh, You know, the world is, we've tailored the world to us. And so a humanoid robot that drops right in, there's, you know, I mean, if it really has the locomotion and, you know, object handling and, you know, dexterity and whatnot of a human being, you know, it drops into every single manual labor job that there is and lots of other things. I think they don't get tired, right? You know, if boring, repetitive and dangerous, you know, what's a good, boring, repetitive, dangerous job? Cop. (laughs) Right. It's not it's I mean, no disrespect to police officers, but but, uh, you know, it is a repetitive job. It is dangerous at times. Right. And it can be extremely boring. you know, or, uh, uh, you know, first responders of all sorts, right? Yeah. I, actually, one of the things I was thinking, like the 150-pound deadlift, yeah. you know, there, uh, you, I can see the appeal of having, you know, a robot that's the size of a small woman yeah. and doesn't have a lot of strength. They'll be very non-threatening, yeah. which is great. And there is this whole issue about, well, maybe it's less dangerous and whatnot. Although I will point out that, you know, a tra- small child can do a lot of damage if they're malicious, if they have malicious intent. It's not, not all about strength. Uh, but one of the things that you can't do if it's only got 150 pound deadlift is it, it can't be a fireman, you know, yeah, it yeah. can't do those rescue scenarios where you have to, you know, cause at a minimum you got to be able to carry, per- I, maybe if you send two or three robots in, maybe they can collectively carry a person on a stretcher or something sure. that maybe that's a good enough solution. But I think that those, you know, if you want to be a nurse in a hospital, and this is a, a classic problem for one of the big challenges that nurses face in hospitals is being able to move patients around. If you got a big patient, small nurse, the patient needs physical assistance to, to do various kinds of things or they're unconscious and you need to be able to manipulate them. That's a big challenge for nurses. And that seems like a great application for a robot that like can't catch COVID, you know, for all kinds of useful properties that this thing would have. Yeah. So I suspect that they'll back off on trying to make it super limited in terms of its physical capabilities because because a lot of the jobs we want humans to do require roughly a, lo- a human level of strength. Many of them require the strength of a strong man. And so, you know, that 150 pound deadlift or that 10 pound straight arm, you know, lift that might not be enough, but we'll see, you know, they could do the, you know, petite, uh, robot for quite a while, perhaps before they have to move on to safety critical stuff. Yeah. I mean, I was actually impressed by how Elon seems to have at least given consideration to kind of the safety and like, he wants to make sure robots are done the right way, you know, and Mm -hmm. Like, that's the thing that bothers me about Boston Dynamics. Like, what's the point of having these Terminator-like robots do all these scary, eerie dancing maneuvers like like they're huh. going to catch you? And, you know, <laughs> it's like, what's the point? You know, it's like, for me, it's like, huh. I think what Elon has done with the robot is like, hey, we want it to be like a nice robot, you know? We don't want this scary-looking, crazy robot. Like, you know, make it like... You know, I like, I like the, I like that it doesn't look like a human, you know, it's just like black, it's going to be a screen, 
it doesn't feel like threatening. It's just sitting there and it's like, it's going to walk slower than a human and, you know, it's going to have limitations. So it's like, you're going to be more comfortable with it. And I think mm -hmm. that to me, it's like, that's something, um, I'm sure there's other people who have thought like that and, and all that, but to combine that kind of responsibility of safety, um, yeah. for the robot with the cutting edge of technology. It's like, I'm glad Tesla is doing this rather than another company, you know, cause mm -hmm. I don't know what the other company is really going to do with the technology. You know, it's like, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if, if a company thinks that the early market is all military robots, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, those, <laughs> those guys like things that say death from above and you know, they're all, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. If it's not a reaper or a predator or something like that, then <laughs> you know, it doesn't fit the ethos really. So yeah, warm and fuzzy is not one of the, one of the things that's going to give you a lot of sell sales in the military space. So yeah, it, I like as a, you know, the kinder, gentler, uh, robot thing is, yeah, it's, it could be, maybe it's a really good idea to, yeah. to do it that way and just say, yeah, you know, if you wanted to carry a gun, we're not going to talk to you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like no, no weapons. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Uh, he, well, there will be Elon's three laws of robotics. Or maybe he'll have ten. <laughs> exactly. Um. So I was thinking one of the possibilities I was thinking maybe it was like they could have released or shown a dog because you have Boston Dynamics mm -hmm. dog. Grimes had a TikTok video of her mm -hmm. playing with it before the event or a day or two before. And then Xiaomi, the uh, Chinese um, phone and tech company, they released a dog, um, mm -hmm. kind of the so-called AI dog. There's other people working on stuff like that. But like, um, I don't know, what do you think about Tesla? I mean, that's definitely a possibility, right? They, I mean, they could take their- There are a lot of know, attractions to doing a dog. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, uh, classic uh, rationales for like doing a consumer dog first before you do something. I mean, not only is locomotion easier and it's lower to the ground and you don't have to worry about damage and blah, blah, blah. There's, um, but the, uh, but it seems friendlier. Like uh, people, yeah. you know, a dog is a friendlier thing than especially, you know, I, I noticed that the spot dogs, they don't look like the Atlas robots, <laughs> right? The Atlas robots are kind of intimidating and it's not just because of their size. There's something about the level of mechanism and then, one of the problems with anthropomorphic robots is the uncanny valley, right? Is that um, humans read things in body language of humanoids, right? And so you don't want your robot to move in a way that seems menacing, <laughs> right? Which you can you can do super unconsciously. You, I mean, you can just be efficient and come across as. And uh, and I think one of the things about a dog is that the space of of solutions that you can explore before it becomes intimidating to people is much larger, right? Yeah. Especially if it's, if it's a, you know, an Atlas scale humanoid robot, you know, it's, it's big. Those things are big. They're really big and they're really heavy. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I can imagine a dog being a, a interesting thing. Cause like, can you imagine like you have some YouTube videos of some people telling their Tesla dog, say, Hey, you know, get me a beer from the refrigerator. And then you have the dog going out, pulling the refrigerator handle or something, picking up a beer, you know, bringing it back. They 
She kept doing, hey, find my keys for me. <laughs> Gets your keys, find my phone, you know, get your phone. You have this video of all, this guy just chilling on his sofa in his man cave or something, right? The dog is getting all the stuff for him. And hey, chips, mm-hmm. chips, I need some chips. <laughs> the dog jumps on the counter or whatever, gets the chips, you know. Like, I would imagine almost every guy out there would be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like, where do I write, where do I buy this dog? This <laughs> is like, gotta be the most coolest thing ever. I mean, really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can't relate to that one, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, just like, like that, that kind of like useful kind of assistant mentality, you know, like, um, something in the house to, mm-hmm. to help you with something, whether it's like, Hey, clean this up, you know, a hey, vacuum here or a hey, get this for me. It's like, it just seems like, I mean, the humanoid robot obviously can do that as well. You know, I mean, maybe they'll mm-hmm. jump to that, but just, I mean, it seems like maybe there could be a lineup of various different types of robots um, in the future, but I, I would imagine they want to focus on, you know, kind of like the, the most generalized solution in a sense, because a human can do probably almost everything a dog could do, right? So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's worth exploring other robot forms or do you think- Well, if they, if they can do the human, humanoid? they can do other shapes too. It's just uh, the humans got a ton of advantages in the real world. Like, it, you know, it can carry a box and open a door. It, you know, it can, I, it's, I, dogs are pretty good for locomotion. Quadrupeds are pretty good for locomotion. But, you know, in a human house, you need to be able to get things off the top shelf a lot of the time, right? So, or, you know, you need to be able to wipe, wash, the, wipe the top of the windows. Is that there, There's... You know, there's a really big space of things that are that are jobs that we design for people. You know, a, 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 a humanoid robot can push a vacuum or operate a broom or use a shovel or a sledgehammer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe the 10-pound deadlift wouldn't work with a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot of the past several months is the whole last foot delivery problem. So you have the robo taxi getting to the house. I'm yeah. like, how do you get the package right from the house to mm-hmm. the front door or whatever? And, you know, it seems like either drones or some type of robot, but the humanoid mm-hmm. robot seems like a pretty good, like, yeah. you know, solution to that because, you know, they s- stick around in the, in the, in the robo taxi, they could even sit in the front car or in the back or it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. Or drive. Yeah, yeah. Drive, pretend they're driving. <laughs> like, what do you mean basically, pretend? They can drive, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually drive. A, actually, yeah, that's right. pretty crazy. Actually, I wonder, can a robo, a, a, can a Tesla bot drive a dumb car, like an icy car? It's, I mean, it should be able to. Yeah, if, crazy, I mean, yeah. if it's got the general utility, because the point, the point of a general humanoid robot is yeah. that it, you know, it doesn't require the robot to have higher cognitive faculties or be able to do calculus or play chess or whatnot. Not that that would be a problem for, for, uh, for, uh, for a humanoid robot. I mean, those, those things are, are rather, you know, easy for computers in certain respects, but especially if it's got an internet connection, which a Tesla robot definitely will. Um, but, uh, but just the, the, the general physica- physical abilities of a human being, right? And so if you've got, if you have the basic perception of a human being and you've got the basic physical abilities of a, of a human being, then yeah, you can drive yeah. a car. Right? Yeah, that's, that's insane, man. I can't imagine the day to see a Tesla bot <laughs> jumping in a, a, a dumb car and actually driving it. But yeah, it's like, it's interesting with this. Last a, it, we would put them on scooters, right? Oh uh, yeah. What do you mean? 
Yeah, it's like, well, if you get a robot that's going to deliver a package, right? It can, you know, put the package in a bag, put it on a backpack, or have a scooter and just set the box on the back and get on the scooter and go, right? I mean, yeah, what does a robot true. need a car for? It can use a scooter. Yeah, <laughs> right? actually, yeah, yeah. You could, actually, that could so be. So they take way less space in cities. They use way less energy, right? Yeah. They're super energy. Actually, efficient. that could be the um, whole last. And a robot's foot. not in a hurry, <laughs> right? Yeah. That, that, it doesn't have to go 60 miles an hour. It can go 20 miles an hour. Yeah. That's the whole last uh, foot. Uh, food food delivery problem solved there because like you don't need a robo taxi to deliver <clears throat> pizza or you know your dinner. Um, you you need something super cost efficient. So yeah, I mean, yeah. If you get well, any anything a human on a bicycle or a human on yeah. a scooter could do, a yeah. courier or delivery. Yeah. yeah, if you get a Tesla bot on a scooter, go you know deliver your dinner to your front porch. I mean, my goodness, it's crazy. Um, or like if you live in an, an apartment building, I mean, the yeah. great thing about a robot is that especially is, is that in urban environments, it can integrate really well. Right. And in rural yeah. environments, you've got more space, things can be wheeled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got, maybe there's enough space to have a drone heliport in your backyard or something like that yeah. for you. But, you know, if you live in a high rise in China, right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, you know, <laughs> an old high rise in China, <laughs> right? Yeah. A robot works a lot better for being able to get your chow mein to your front, to your door, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's so it's so crazy fascinating because like here I was thinking the last foot delivery problem, they would have some type of like, you know, ro- some simple, more simple robot, but then it ends up being they're trying to like, it, it's basically like disrupting the UPS driver himself. Like, taking the box you know, out of the car, delivering it. And it's, it's going to look like, I don't say it look like a human, but it would be like, you know, a human form of this robot taking the package to your doorstep. And um, yeah, it's like, I don't know. For me, it's like, it seems like the Tesla community is like processing this, get, starting to get it because it's something they've been looking forward to. And you know, something like we've been talking about a lot, the, just the foundations of all this stuff. But I think for the rest of the world, like they're not in tune with any of this stuff, you know, like this is completely like a, like unknown stuff. And mm-hmm. for them to, you know, it seems like it's just something like it's crazy. It's going to be a world where I, I have- agree the delivery robots are a really interesting application. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it, it's the kind of thing where you could find a business you know, there are lots of medium-sized businesses where you could potentially employ one of these things. So, you know, if it can locomote in the world even slowly and it can it can carry something, right? Yeah. You've got a basic delivery system and that might be a good place to start with super minimal functionality. I mean, you know, it just, it has to not bump into people and be able to navigate around a city at, at the base level. And then once you've got a bunch of them out there, they can be collecting data. They become your big test platform and, you know, it's... So, uh, you know, yeah. every night they, they sit down and they update and the next day they're smarter. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the other areas I'm excited about with Tesla bot is just elderly care. So you've mm-hmm. got a lot of, um, you know, growing eld- older population and, um, yeah, even like my mom, she's like, you know, in her mid, almost late seventies and she's like having mm-hmm. a hard time, hard, a more difficult time walking around and mm-hmm. she's like, I need a walker. And then it's like, she can't get certain things, can't pick up things from the ground. And just a lot of different 
normal basic mm. items, you know? And so it's like, oh, okay, what do we do? Can we hire some help? But she doesn't want help all the time. She just wants it when she wants it. You know, she doesn't want someone like hanging out, hanging around all day. And so, um, and as needs grow, it's like, you know, needing to go to the restroom or, you know, bath or cook and all this stuff. It's, it's like right now the costs are so prohibitive to have full-time live-in care. You know, like it's not just the person you need to hire. It's like they need to have a place to live and stay. So you have to have the right like house or living environment. There's so many things. What if they don't show up? What if they're mean to your parents? Like, how do you know what's going on? And it's like, it seems like a Tesla bot eventually, of course, when they get this, you know, uh, figured out more. It just seems like, man, that could be really, really life-changing for the growing, you know, elderly population. Um, have you thought about any of this stuff? What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that's a, it's definitely an area of, of need, especially as our society continues to age and people live independently up to much later ages than, you know, they sort of traditionally have. It's, it's definitely, that's, that's why I mentioned the, the nurse robot, right? Because that's another, you know, uh, application where, it doesn't require fine dexterity or necessary. Uh, actually, I guess I don't want to minimize how complicated it might be, but, uh, you know, it's also something where we need a lot more people than we have and, you know, and people are expensive and, and the level of care that you would like to give is, is constrained by the number of people there are, you know, you, in American hospitals, you know, a common complaint is that it takes a, you know, you ring on that bell and you don't see the nurse for 30 minutes or whatnot because they're busy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hospitals are busy. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting comments, it seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like Elon was a little bit, I wouldn't say cautious, but it seemed like, you know, he was obviously excited about the Tesla bot, but he also had some reservations, it appeared, where he's like, you know, we might need universal basic income, you know, people might lose their jobs. And, um, but I think it's like, it's something interesting to think about where it's like, you know, he was making this point where it's like, is there an upper balance to the economy if the economy is mostly labor and you have this ability to create right more and more labor at a marginal cost? And um, I don't know. I, my, my thoughts are like, I don't know if we, I don't know if universal basic income is per se. I mean, it's definitely one of the options out there, but it seems like if you could have robots that can, you know, effectively create value, you know, whatever that value is in a way. Um, and if the ability to create more and more of these robots, you know, is, is not too difficult. Um, and there's a way to maintain the ability to continue creating that value without it being like marginally like dissipated with more robots out there. It seems like we can find a way to allow more and more people to participate in that, you know, value kind of realization somehow you know whether it's owning a part of you know like a, a group of robots or when what they're doing or new companies formed to you so know it's uh, when people are born they get a chunk of the stock market right yeah yeah exactly just set aside half of the stock market and give people slices of that to, yeah yeah something like that off the dividends row. but i mean that's basically the, you know, the dilemma about UBI type things, I mean, these are all just essentially redistribution, redistributional mechanisms that, yeah. that society produces. It's a cornucopia, right? It produces all this stuff. And then 
And then, you know, we have these social conventions about how we distribute it among people and side effects of the distribution mechanism create incentives for various people. And, uh, and, you know, and they also survive, they provide these various social, they, you know, they give people a structure to their lives. I mean, there's all these traditional roles, that, traditional things that jobs. So if you, it's not just the money right now. So if you get rid of the jobs and, but you take care of the money thing, you know, what are the social side effects of that? Are they big deals? Some people think it's a really big deal. Some people think, you know, uh, it's not going to be a big deal. <laughs> I don't know places that suffer a lot of unemployment that make rapid transition to large amounts of unemployment, even if they get external infusions of cash. So people don't starve. They seem to go undergo a lot of social upheaval, at least, you know, that's my perception of what yeah. goes on there. So I mean, you know, having unions, for instance, is kind of an intermediate step where, you know, essentially you have labor negotiates to get a cushy job and get paid well for it. Right. So it's not like all the way to going, getting something and not doing anything, but you've got sort of this intermediate thing. Maybe you work fewer hours. The job is really safe, you know, whatever the deal is. And it's well compensated. Right. So breadwinners can still win bread for their family because I mean, as it is you know, most Americans don't work. I think only like what 40% of the population or 35 actually has a paying job and the rest are children or retired or, you know, they work from home. Uh, sorry, they're, uh, you know, they take care of their parents or they, uh, or they have, they have a partner that does the earning and that kind of stuff. Um, so, you don't have to make sure everybody has an income, but you, somebody, everybody has to have access to some source of income via some relationship that they have, whether it's with the state or a family member or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so I don't know. But it, 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 I worry that UBI is simplistic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that it, that it, and you know, I might be overthinking this. It's possible that UBI works, but I suspect that, that the, it's not a super easy transition and, Right now, people do the math, and the math like doesn't look very good, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've, I've uh, the flip concerns. side is we're learning that we can just print money and everything keeps working. <laughs> right? I don't know how far that goes. For now, yeah. yeah. Until yeah. Who knows. so far, so far, it's exactly. <laughs> yeah, so far. <laughs> well, the party lasts. Right? Um, uh, I was thinking about this idea of. Um, what do you think about a monthly recurring revenue model for the humanoid robot? So rather than, you know, just the upfront payment, because if you think about it, a lot of this stuff is like the robot's going to need updates and these updates are e extremely important, you know, to, you know, it's, I, this, uh, I spent a lot of time. I, we never actually did have the follow on conversation about the ro robo taxi economics. But after the conversation where we talked about robo taxi economics, I went off and, and spent a bunch of time trying to drill down into the basics of that thing. And it makes my head hurt how how much like there are things about robo taxis. Like if you make certain assumptions, there are a bunch of things that you that we know about you know, how big the taxi business is and what people spend on cars and how big the transport business is. And there are all these numbers that you can plug into the model. But even so, it's really hard to, to like narrow the likely business model down. Like there's so many ways it yeah. could unfold inside that inside that space because a lot of it turns on public perception uh, of safety and utility and the social status associated with these services, what they say about you. Uh, 
that um, which are all things that like I can't find numbers on really. There, there's all kinds of, of factors that seem to be pretty like uh, when uh, I, I was looking into like, why do people buy certain cars? And it's a freaking mystery, right? It's really hard to figure out like why somebody buys a Mustang versus a Corvette, much less a Mustang versus a minivan. There are lots and lots of people who do, who buy Mustangs would be better served by a minivan. And lots of people who buy minivans could easily afford a Mustang, right? If they wanted to. So it's not just about uh, cost. There's all of these um, emotional components of of that kind of, of of that kind of thing. Anyway, so my experience with looking at the robo taxi model, which seems to me like much more constrained than the humanoid robot business uh, model, makes me feel like uh, it's really hard to have any confidence about any. I mean, it's fun to speculate, and you can toss all these things out there, but trying to actually figure out what the likely outcome is seems. just so uncertain yeah it's very hard to have any confidence in yeah. in any in anything that you can say about it yeah so one of the <laughs> yeah some of this stuff is so crazy so one of the the oh. things that's just kind of mind bending blowing is <clears throat> like tesla has these big big business total huge total addressable markets that are they're just in the infancy right of addressing whether it be you know um, not just EVs, but autonomous, you know, vehicle transport, energy. Um, we're just in the early stages. So it's like, it feels like the next decade and, you know, with autonomous driving is just like, you know, it's a huge runway. Then you have energy, which is a huge runway um, next decade or two. But then this whole event last night is just through another product line where it's like what it's like humanoids this is like gonna be a huge thing for many many decades to come like a you know like this isn't just like a side little tiny i mean i think that's where people get can get tripped up it's like uh this is a hobby toy project or something it's never gonna come to fruition and just whatever they're just showing it off or but, now they really have too much on their plate yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah but like the 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 reality is those like, I think they can get this thing to work. And I think it might take a little bit longer than, of course, maybe like some people would, the the, the Tesla fanatics would want it to, you know, they want it just to be it's gonna take right a now while. in a few years, but it's going to take yeah. some time to get to where it's like super awesome and super amazing in so many ways. But it's like, this is like multi-decades. Like we're talking about like, and the total adjustable market. I mean, I'm just thinking like, it's not it's just all human labor, yeah, right? Yeah, it's all human labor. And then it's like, how many human, like how many or it, bots? It's not all human labor. It's it's all human labor if we had unlimited, if we could manufacture unlimited humans, right? Yeah. Because the human labor market at times is much larger than the, than the the potential human labor market can be much larger than the number of human. I mean, the you know, yeah. the truck driver, the potential truck driver market is a lot bigger than the actual truck driver market today yeah. because there's this huge shortage of truck drivers. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just thinking like what Elon is saying is like with, you know, the economy being almost unlimited with if it's labor and you have robots is I think he's basically saying like, you know, in some ways this humanoid market is much bigger than, autonomous driving because autonomous driving is like a subsect of human labor like driving you know and transport in mm -hmm. a way but a generalized humanoid robot solution is like it just seems to be 
much, much bigger than just driving and transport. I mean, what, what's your kind yeah. of initial thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's big. <laughs> it's really big. Uh, yeah, man. Like I remember having a conversation with a guy some years back and we were, we were all, we were both at a tech startup or something like that. He said, it, this reminds me of that, uh, the story about plastics, that's the thing. And then he was telling me energy, that's the thing. You know how big the energy market is? Like, that's what we need to go work in. And, uh, and you know, every, I think about that conversation I had with him all the time because it, like, it was like Tesla, yeah, energy, energy. Like, it's so big and they've barely gotten started. And the addressable market is just, it's just nuts. I mean, transport is bigger. Is it bigger? I'm not sure if it's bigger. I, like I forget, but energy's like on the same scale as transport. And like what what aspect of the future of the 2040 energy market is Tesla not addressing, right? You know, because I, they don't need to go into coal plants or natural gas generators. I don't know that they need wind power, right? It's because solar beats wind for the most part, you know. And by 2040, solar's gonna be beating wind pretty badly. It's ahead now. And it's and it's uh, gaining space, right? Uh, you know, if you got solar and storage, and you know, apparently they've applied to become a utility in Texas, mm-hmm. and it's distributed. You don't really need a lot of transmission lines. The better your infrastructure is, right? Mm-hmm. It's like everything. Yeah, solar and storage. I mean, it's a big chunk of all of all of the energy market. Just just having just if you've nailed those two, if you've nailed solar and you've nailed storage, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not only big market that that they're that they're going after. You know, Starlink. This is a SpaceX thing, but you know that's like all communication, right? Like, what can't you do? Like, if you have Starlink and you put it and you put uh, repeaters on the ground, right? Because a Starlink a Starlink terminal, you can sit it on top of an uh, on top of uh, an LTE antenna, and it's a cellular base station. Right. It's a, I don't know if you remember, but cellular, there was a while they didn't end up doing this. But um, Pico cells were this thing uh, 15 years ago, maybe or 10 years ago, where people were thinking that one of the solutions to the to the cellular bandwidth crisis when there was kind of a bandwidth crisis at the time, which ended up getting solved with by opening up more spectrum and going to more sophisticated modulation techniques. The, the signal processing that goes into cellular that provides with these crazily high bandwidths that you can get like gigabits to a cell phone these days. At the time, uh, a lot of uh, uh, engineers in that space, they were looking at, well, what if we make the cells really small? Like every house has a cell, every building has a cell, right? Or maybe, you know, a cell per floor and they called those Pico cells. And the idea w- with them was like you made these little cells stations and you just network them all together with the infrastructure that's already in the city you just have really really small cell stations all over i I mean the 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 concept is still sound right but you can do kind of an intermediate scale thing like that where you know you have something the size of a pizza box that you plug into a wall somewhere and it's got starlink coming out the top and cellular coming out the bottom right as long as it can see the sky you know you go to los angeles and you you know scatter a few if you can make that box for a couple thousand bucks use all they need is electricity and wow you got a really good cellular network right because unlike current cellular networks where you got to wander you know 
the geometry changes, the atmospheric cha conditions change. I mean, getting a cellular network built so there are no dead, dead spots is actually pretty hard. But if your cells are really small, you just put another, every time you get a, a dead spot, you know, you put another cell right in the middle of it. And, you know, you can get arbitrarily good coverage. And of course, in the country, you don't even need that, right? If you're in low population areas, you just use bigger, you know, more powerful transceivers for your cellular. And you, you, you know, so, if they make a cheap base station and they've got 42,000 satellites in the sky, that's global telecommunication. It's like low latency, high bandwidth. It's everywhere. And you can make the terminals arbitrarily cheap if you just have this intermediate stage. I mean, it's so straightforward from because from, the hard part is Starlink. That's yeah. the hard part. Right? Yeah. Once they've got Starlink, like if they want to do the other thing. Okay. So on you know, transportation, energy, and telecommunications, what else is there? How about all human labor? Exactly. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's just, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, wait. So I want to go back to this uh, cellular um, uh, option here. So, um, are you are you saying that they could actually create like a? Can, do you think they can create a nationwide like cellular network? If they wanted to, if they wanted yeah. to, or like a, a or per, per city or ge geography, just kind of blanket an area of these like. Yeah, so there's this the thing I was talking about making yeah. picos. I mean, yeah. they wouldn't call them pico. Pico cells were smaller. You'd probably want to do slightly bigger cells because now we have LTE and we have these advanced modulation schemes, uh, but. You know, uh, if you, you know, if you have a box that basically converts satellite into yeah. cellular and it, and you, you know, and you put them on, you know, city block grid or something like that, yeah. there you go. Cellular wow. network, right? Uh, first, first stab. And then you go around looking for where you don't have a good signal and you add one more there. Right. And yeah. the, the main constraint is that the boxes you put in need to be able to see the sky. So they put them on the roofs of buildings or whatnot, like, and, yeah, and all they need is power, crazy. right? Yeah. I mean, that's crazy because. So, it, so anywhere you have power, you can just put a lot of these little boxes and boom, yeah. you have, you have a, you have a, a really good, super high bandwidth, super low latency cellular network. I mean, the, Done. the crazy thing is like, that's awesome monthly recurring revenue. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you just need to provide like, you know, comparable service, you know, for a cheaper price or, or something or a better service or same price. But you could, you know, that's like, that's like gold. Um, and you don't, you don't even need to, you don't even need to start nationwide first. You could just start like, you know, in a certain like city or area first, right. And, mm -hmm. you know, have a cheap price, $20 a month or $30 a month mm -hmm. to begin with. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. And then you you, you forgot, not you don't say you forgot, but Mars. I mean, <laughs> in, interplanetary um, economy. Like, oh, yeah. And we're going to own that entire planet. <laughs> it's like telecommunication, energy, transport, all human labor, and Mars. <laughs> and Mars exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Um, we're getting off the rails, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's why that's one of the reasons why I, I I'm not sure anymore about the whole company X uh, holding company idea anymore. I just think logistically it's there's so many people just kind of not really wanting a conglomerate you know merging of a company. But to me, um, just the ideas are so big. And then Neuralink, right? Like, I, where does Neuralink fit into all this? Like, um, it's like. I mean, it's the brain, it's the human brain to the interface to the world, in a sense. Um, 
it's like it's a whole nother economy in a sense too i mean <laughs> they're, they're they'll own the afterlife too <laughs> that's what will be next <laughs> you don't have to die we'll just upload you <laughs> yeah uh, yeah <laughs> for a small monthly fee you can live in heaven <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> um sounds too eerily similar to the matrix Boy, <laughs> i was thinking you know <laughs> People make Jeff Bezos have to be evil. <laughs> and all he owns is grocery stores. <laughs> oh, man. Things yeah. are so weird. Yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, yeah, we live in crazy times. Um, the future is, yeah, it's definitely crazy. Um, a lot of things are going to be different um, for sure. Um, hopefully, though, um, the hope is that this stuff can be used for good and um and not abused uh, too much. Um, well, I, I like uh, Elon's line at the end of it is like, oh, somebody's going to do it. Might as well be us, right? Yeah, kind of, <clears throat> that yeah. was, you're right. His attitude was kind of, I mean, maybe yeah. he was just tired, but <clears throat> he definitely seemed very uh, sort of distant and philosophical. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the way I look at it is, okay, so the best way to ensure good use of AI in like robots like in my mind it would be to make the business model work where you're making the best end product and you're selling it and delivering a ton of value you're getting a good margin but it makes it difficult for someone to beat you at that game meaning to make more money and to create a bigger and better kind of you know robot fleet and all that so in some ways like it kind of feels like elon is saying hey okay you know we didn't intend to do this and we're not even sure like like you know it's more like this thing it's like someone needs to shepherd or steward this you know this technological trend mm -hmm. and you know it's obvious who's gonna who who's in the best position to do it you know it's like it's tesla with the technology and with everything and it's kind of like this obvious choice that, okay, fine, Tesla, we're going to do it because, you know, we're the, we're at that position to do that. But also, you know, we know how to do it. We're going to make the best product. We're going to sell it. We're going to make profit, but we're going to make sure it's, it's good for people, you know, and good for society. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I, to me, there was kind of like this, I don't know, slightly philosophical, but a little bit of, of, of a profound type of like, responsibility like like kind of like uh feeling you know you got at during parts of the presentation which i thought was was definitely interesting oh the particular specifically the humanoid robot yeah so that you're yeah, talking about definitely, yeah yeah it's I and mean, one thing that struck me about it is it's more half-baked than a lot of stuff um like the the robot design it was powerpoint design right it was you know, the specs are super broad and generic. Uh, like I said, yeah, I, I would be, I, I really think those, a lot of those numbers will change. Right. Uh, so it feels like it's a much earlier stage. You know, by the time they revealed the battery factories, it was like, Oh, and here's a battery factory. Here we got, you know, they've got this giant building and it's cranking out tons of batteries. Um, a lot of the other stuff doesn't, it doesn't seem like it gets re revealed until it's at a really advanced stage. And maybe 
part maybe part of the reason for that is you want to time public enthusiasm close to the time that you can get orders and that kind of stuff. So that makes sense. And maybe part of it is not wanting to let competitors give them too much insight into what you're doing, right? So it makes you know it gives you more sort of uh, space to run before you have to start worrying about competition. But the robot thing, it doesn't seem yeah, uh, you know. <laughs> it doesn't seem maybe those things don't apply, but it's definitely really early stage stuff. And the robot, I think the robot, the humanoid robot is farther away today than, uh, than FSD was when they announced FSD, like what, five, five years ago, almost six years ago now. Right. Um, it's going to take a while to get there. So it's not like competitors couldn't, you know, somebody was really motivated to do it. So part of this might just be Elon saying, I have seen the competition and they are me, <laughs> right? Like nobody else is going to, right. nobody else is going to do it. Even if you, even if you tell them, right. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's a lesson in the EV space. Yeah. You can give away your patents. You can, you can demonstrate everything that you want. You can show people what a great thing is. And the incumbents are just going to like, yeah, we'll keep our business model. We'll just write it right into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cause I, I was thinking actually earlier today. I'm like, if I if you were like, you know, if like if imagine like Apple, Tim Cook, um, you know, Google, Sundar Pichai, or you know, Microsoft, or Mark Zuckerberg, like these CEOs mm -hmm. of the big tech companies, and <clears throat> like, are they really like, what's their reaction? Let's say to the Tesla, you know, humanoid robot um, announcement. I'm thinking like of. Like, I think, like, of any of the companies, I think most of them, they probably just gloss over it. It's like, just, okay, whatever. It's a pipe dream. It's going to take many, many years. It's just another Elon type of, you know, pumping project, whatever. But I think mm. maybe the closest one who would kind of go back, oh, my, like, wake up or just be kind of motivated to try something might be Mark Zuckerberg. He seems to be of the big tech CEOs, kind of like the the one who would be like, huh, I, I could understand like the possibilities of how big this could be. I'm not sure what they could do really, um, but it just seems like maybe he might be, you know, one that catches it um, early. But I don't know. What, what's your take? Do you think there's any big tech CEOs that might be kind of? Yeah. I would have picked uh, Larry and Sergey, although I got no idea. It's yeah. been so long since it was possible to get a read on their interests and what yeah. they're doing that uh, they yeah. they seem to take this stuff really seriously. Zuckerberg, you know, on the one hand, like it it does it definitely seems like a big chunk of the the stuff he's really interested in feeds straight into Facebook's like core businesses. And you could see him saying, you know, Elon is a useful fool if he gives people lots of free time, right? Because what are they going to do with it, right? Play VR games on Facebook, maybe. Uh, so would, is he interested in out-competing that? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It is a really big market, and but it's, it's also very uncertain at this point. And, you know... A lot of people's natural read on Elon is that is that it's not going to turn out like he says it is. Yeah. Right. So you could imagine you and you can definitely imagine holding off for a long time. So Facebook has very serious AI capabilities. Yeah. Google has really serious AI capabilities. Um, Apple does, too, actually. Um, you know, 
they all could decide that they were going to try to replicate this effort. I mean, they all have, you know, the financial resources, they've got the core talent and the, you know, the vision to potentially do it. But, uh, I mean, you know, in our last conversation, I was looking at it saying, nah, too big. It's too much to bite off. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know. I mean, I've been impressed with, you know, with Zuckerberg's foray into VR. It is, it does seem pretty farsighted, right? I mean, they're making big investments well ahead of, of the potential of that market. And of course, you know, Google famously has done that, yeah. right? They have their moonshot, their whole moonshot division kind of thing. But They've been burned on so many moonshots. I, I wonder if maybe they're not um, more getting more leery of putting billions of dollars into something decades ahead of when, uh, yeah, but they could. Yeah. Right? It'd be nice to have competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it just feels to me like, you know, one of the reasons why Elon could reveal it early, earlier than later is just because mm. I think he just, realizes like they're really far ahead in terms of data i mean their whole car fsd program has just built up all this and he keeps on calling it real world you know the physical world ai stuff where he just mm -hmm. i think he feels like they're significantly far ahead in terms of data and what they've accomplished in that arena where i think he just feels like they're going to be extending their lead you know as their fleet yeah. grows and you know they just continue on so I, I don't think he's threatened, you know, in any way per se. Um, and then he wants to attract the best people to work on the project and, um, yeah, move it, move it along fast. So yeah, it's yeah. it's a good PR thing. Yeah, and, and you know, he may feel well, like you know, if uh, if Google does it, they'll be timid and it'll have a lidar and a bunch of radars on it or something, <laughs> right? That, that that that's the lesson is that they're going to make the a million dollar humanoid robot that yeah. that you know, that has different issues, right? And addresses a different market yeah, yeah, yeah. and fail maybe, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you have Apple, if they make a humanoid robot, they charge like everything for all the accessories. <laughs> <laughs> it costs a fortune. Oh man, you could, um, you could imagine premium humanoid robots <laughs> selling well. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, all right, James, um, thank you for the conversation. I had fun detoxing debriefing on um, this whole AI stuff. Um, yeah, I would love to dive deeper on the more techn technical aspects when you have a chance to, you know, go over the presentation more. Um, perhaps like, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm getting people wanting like a deep dive on, you know, the sections, but yeah. I was I thinking need, like- I need some time to digest yeah, it. Yeah, if, if you I, could- I still... Like I've been going through the 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 pre I'm still I'm still compiling the reading list. Oh, it's going to take me a little while got to it. get through it. Okay. Yeah, there's a uh, yeah, it's yeah. there's a lot of stuff. Take your time. Um, if you could like screenshot like different slides and then maybe like we can do episodes later like per section. Maybe like even follow the sections of the presentation. Oh know, yeah, like an that would be an interesting way. And to do it. I'm just, sure like, we could do an hour each on the four yeah, main sections. Yeah, exactly. Just go through the screen screenshots and we'll try to bring it down to earth for people to understand more in okay. human's term. Yeah, that's good. But, um, awesome, man. Take your time. And yeah, have a great weekend. Uh, um, nice chatting. And for all those out there, uh, yeah, it's been a fun journey through all this Tesla AI stuff. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been at well, it for a while, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just uh, crazy stuff. Okay. All right. See you guys. Bye. Take care.